going on, America? I am Graham Allen, and welcome to the newest episode of the Dear America podcast. This is a special podcast. This is our very first live in front of an audience podcast. We've been talking about it for a while. So we traveled down to Houston, Texas for Dan Crenshaw's Youth Summit 2019. It was a good time. Uh, I'm super excited for you to hear some of the questions and some of the answers. Sit back, buckle up, and welcome to the first live edition of the Dear America podcast. But before we do, we have to get into a sponsor. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. The problem growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers is their hodgepodge of business systems. They have one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and so on. It's just a big, inefficient mess, taking up too much time and too many resources, and that hurts the bottom line. Introducing to you NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your podcast in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite is offering your valuable insights with a free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at NetSuite.com slash Graham. That's netsuite.com slash Graham to download your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, netsuite.com slash Graham. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the first ever live edition of the Dear America podcast. Thank you, Thank you all so much. What's up, Houston? <laughs> <laughs> so... Grant, will you please introduce everyone else here because we didn't have an intro video for everybody. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, really quick, guys. You guys don't know this, but this exact moment right now is going to be on our podcast next week. So you guys are going to be heard by millions of people next week. That's, right. so, That's awesome. with me is my beautiful wife, uh, Alyssa. She is on the podcast with us. Uh, she is absolutely lovely. The and this is my producer, Jake, who's handsome in his own way. Well. And, uh, <laughs> so one last thing, since this is going on the podcast, I need your help. On the count of three, I need the loudest Dear America that you can possibly do. Can you guys do that? Yeah. Okay. All right, you ready? One, two, three. Dear America. Yeah. All right, let's get I'm this going, good. man. All right. So you told us all about your podcast, but that's not how you started, right? You started with Rant Nation. So how did that start? Was it just like one day where you're just, I got some feelings and I'm going to talk about them. Like on that photo, and then it went viral, right? I mean, you've got, how many followers do you have on Facebook? That's where your main platform is. Almost five million. Over five. Wow. Is that even possible now? Like if you just started Facebook, if you started to go viral on Facebook now, do you think that's possible? Just because there's been a, a transition in how people use social media. I gotta be honest, I'm still trying to figure out why uh, people watch in general, watch yeah. me. Uh, <clears throat> I'm just a redneck from Mississippi, man. I can barely blink and walk at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anybody from Mississippi? Hey! One Christian, go back, all right. Uh, anyway, but no, I, I think it's, it's harder this day and age, especially talking about the things that we talk about. Yeah. And um, I don't know, one day I just made a video talking about what I, what I felt. 
And uh, it took off and I had a military buddy said, I bet you can't do that again. I said, watch this. And uh, oh, you were in the, you were active duty at the time. Yeah, I was on a recruiting okay. tour. It was my last uh, duty assignment in the, the army because I eventually got out to pursue this and thankfully it paid off. So thank you guys very much for that. Uh, my kids can eat. I appreciate it. Um, but no, so, so we just, I decided to do it differently than most of the people that I saw. When I came up, you saw a lot of the, uh, the skit comedy acts. You know, you guys have seen those where people did comedy things, uh, people of Walmart, you know, and stuff like that. And I just decided to start um, speaking what I knew, which isn't a whole lot, depending on who you ask. And um, I just started saying what I felt like a majority of America was feeling about mm. things just kind of went on from there. So Facebook grew and then that turned into the TV network being interested, which led to Rant Nation. Okay. Um, and that turned into the Dear America podcast, which is now the biggest thing we've ever done. And uh, you know, thank you guys so much yeah. for that. That's awesome. So, wait, so because I had a different theory. I thought it was because Facebook wasn't working out anymore. And so Alyssa let you on her podcast. That's Correct. exactly what happened. Correct. Yeah, that's, yes. that's <clears throat> Yeah. Alyssa says podcast. Is yeah. yeah, I mean, she <laughs> does make the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's got a ring to it. It really does. <laughs> so, so actually, and since we're on on you, Alyssa, I want to I want to ask you about Ooh. this. You know, you've watched you've watched Graham grow into this following, and uh, he doesn't he doesn't speak about you know middle of the road topics, no, right? It gets it gets controversial sometimes, and so that creates some antipathy towards him. Let's say. You know, what is that like? So, because I know, so I, and you guys have been in this public space a little longer than I have, actually. And it's hard on us, especially hard on the family. Um, you know, you love somebody and you watch them just get torn apart on social media. Can you, I mean, what, what's that like? How do you deal with that? It can be hard. I would say we were pretty grounded before everything hit, which is huge. So I would say definitely stay grounded, know who you are before you just start going out there because they will just rake you over the coals. It's hard to watch it for him, but honestly, I never, everyone's like, how do you deal with it? I never read the comments. Oh, I smart. never read the comments. Don't read the comments. The comments. It's not good. Brutal. It doesn't matter. It's, it's not going to change how it, they are. And I only know if it's gotten really bad because my closest friends will just write me and go, hey, I love you. How y'all doing? I'm like, oh, it must be real bad, huh? <laughs> yeah. it today, buddy. So I just never read the comments. And we, I mean, we were pretty grounded. Um, we're not going to change our families. First, God, family, and then what we do. So, yeah. and then we drug Jake into it. And we, we said, Jake, Jake, we got a great idea. Make him read and the comments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should just come and be a part of this, and we'll just start shifting it over your way. And mm -hmm. so it worked out yeah. real nice. Yeah. I mean, there's some, there's some utility, I guess, to reading <laughs> some of the comments just to get a general yeah. idea of what people are saying. But we you know we were bet. talking about this in the last panel and this ability to hide behind saying mean things on social media, and it's it's transforming us as a country um, in, in a bad way, I think. Um, making us a little meaner, a little, a little more quick, quicker to react, mm -hmm. and, um, and and that's creating a fragility also in our culture, which, which I'm always looking for ways to try and understand and, and reverse. Um, you know, so there's a poll recently that came out um, about our generation, millennials. I think most people in here are probably Generation Z, technically speaking. Thank I, God. I am an elder millennial. Uh, you know, whatever that means. And, uh, but, but this is concerning. Our generation of millennials care less about patriotism, religion, and family than previous generations. I mean, how do we reverse this? What is this culture war that we're in? Well, I heard you talking about it 
<clears throat> earlier, big tech and things like that. Um, big tech is doing its role in trying to change a lot of things. If you were to Google Patriot right now, mm -hmm. Google it. Uh, it'll, it'll give you the definition, but it'll say synonymous with national. Oh, I saw that. You yeah. know, and, and, and all What's this kind of thing. So, so big tech and big media are, are doing their part to try to make you feel like something is wrong with you. Uh, because you love America and you love being an American. Yeah, like they have some secret to tell you. That's right. You know? right. Yeah, Who's okay. proud of being American? <laughs> Woo! I'm gonna start preaching in here in a minute. Um, Right, and, and it's, it, yeah, it's like they, they pretend like there's some secret that they have to tell you like, oh my God, you've been taught that America's good all this time, let me tell you something is different. Is America really right? Right, is right. It, like they, yeah, they think, they think they've got some hidden knowledge that we didn't know about. You know what the hit, new hidden knowledge is now? That America is actually awesome. Exactly. I think that's the new exactly. rebellion here. Um, the entertainment industry doesn't help either, so all your favorite actors, musicians, and whatnot, don't take political opinions from musicians or actors, all right? Just uh, think yeah. for yourself, you know? Yeah, I'll take my decisions about America from people other than Miley Cyrus. Exactly. So. Or T-Swift. <laughs> she came in like a wrecking ball. So. <laughs> I've listened to the song, I'm not gonna lie. All right. It's a great song. So, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic yeah, song. It, it gets at just a... Oh, there's a lot of fronts to the culture war, you know, and like uh, we could name a bunch. But I think I think they're all centering around this idea. So I want to stay on this topic of whether America is inherently good or bad. And and, and it, it, it used to be something that both sides just agreed on. Now, we love our country. It's got these great things about it. We disagree about how to make it better and how to run it. OK, that's a very fair political disagreement to have. But it seems like we've gotten away from that, like we have a Beto vision. So, so Beto, I think, is the most outspoken on this. God, I know, he's from Texas, too, it just irks us. Um, but I mean, he just, he just keeps talking about how America is founded on only bad things, like this, this idea, and you know, he says it was founded in 1619 instead of 1776. They're really trying to rewrite everything we've, we, we know about what makes this country great, and I have a real issue with that. You know, I mean, like, how, how do we win back this culture war? So we, we've talked about it, we've identified it, but I mean, how do we win it back? You know, it's, it's by talking about it, doing events like this, yeah, it's a start. Yeah, but yeah, it's like this. This is a start. And, and I just want to say, you guys, can you guys just give yourselves a round of applause for a minute for being here? I mean, it is amazing what you guys are doing. Uh, when I was your age, I wish I was as smart as you. Uh, but, you know, I'm from Mississippi. We don't even close our lips together all the way when we talk. And so, uh, but I'll say, I'll say one thing that we can do outside of this is, is reestablishing the truth. You know, there is no your truth. There is the truth. Mm -hmm. yeah. And people are getting into this argument about is America good or bad? And what they're really trying to say, well, America uh, was never perfect, right? So, yeah. so they're confusing great. They'll be like, well, America wasn't ever really great. What they're trying and they're confusing it as, well, America was never really perfect. And that is true. That is true. America right. wasn't perfect. America isn't perfect now. And it never will be perfect because there's never anything perfect. Humans are not perfect. Humans <laughs> are not perfect. Right. Uh, and so what we need to start doing is we need to start showing and reminding not just younger Americans like yourselves, but older Americans and saying, we are blessed every single day to live in a country where you can even ask that question in the first place. Mm -hmm. Amen. 
Oh, that's right. It's, it's, this, it's this temptation, uh, you know, because the language of revolution and resistance, it's very, it's, it's romanticized, you know? It's like, it, always, it feels good to just want to throw it all out and start over, you know, like this, some brave new world. Uh, but it's not reasonable, it's not logical. And this idea that, that, that if you have sinned, then the entirety of your existence is bad. I mean, then that's what you're getting at, right? We weren't perfect, so we're awful. No, no, that's, that's not the case. Uh, we sinned, but it was only, well, our big sins in the United States, I think, have been because we weren't living up to our foundational ideals. You know, our foundational ideals are all men are created equal. Exactly. Like, and we didn't live up to that, we didn't. But, we're, but we got in there. You know, hundreds of thousands of people died to make sure we got there. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's so important to understand. Like Martin Luther King, Frederick Douglass, they used the arguments of the founders to make their case. Right. That's what's so cool about, about this country. Like we did get it right. And I, and I said in the last panel, this country is built on the best ideas that humankind has ever had. And like, then we wrote them all down. You know, and, and, and how do we get that back? And, and like I said, it's, it's truth. How do we get back to this? this sense of truth. Um, and, and also, uh, another thing I think, especially conservatives stand for, is, is that truth and also gratitude. You know, gratitude for what works. Gratitude for, the, for those, those traditions and those foundations that have gotten us to this absolute miracle of, of, a, of a governing system and a country. You know, we couldn't let that go. Yeah. I have something. You want to go? No, you, you got anything? All right, yes. Yeah. Being grateful is such a, a huge huge thing. And I cannot stress this enough. What's happening now uh, from, from what we see on our end. And so obviously, uh, Dan, you're, you are you are at the forefront policy right there at DC handling it there. We deal more in the, I guess, the culture of it, I suppose. And so what we hear and the feedback we get is people have forgotten that the you have you can achieve anything in America, but there's nothing that guarantees you that you're guaranteed going to get your dreams. You have to work for it every single day. We live in a world now where people are confusing that with, well, I want to be this, so it should be given to me because that's what I want. Entitlement. Entitlement. And, Entitlement. and then blaming somebody else when it doesn't happen. Or exactly. being a victim. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you sucked at your job. I don't know. Maybe I mean, that's, that's just why the you're <laughs> I mean, you know, people right. aren't good at everything. You know, maybe mom and dad should have told you, you know, maybe you shouldn't go on American Idol. I don't know. And so this, this is actually gets to one of my theories as to why we're at this point where you're, we're mad at, not we, but some people are, are mad at, and Beto is mad at America. And it, it, it starts with that victimhood ideology. So, because at first something doesn't go your way, well, you blame somebody. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your boss, maybe it's your classmates, whatever it is, you blame somebody yeah. else, okay? And then that definition expands. You start blaming groups of people. Now right. we get into the identity politics problem. So you're blaming, you're blaming groups of people for things, and then, and, then you're, and then you're listening to politicians who will give your group power over another group. Now we're getting into really dangerous territory. Right. Then people start blaming entire institutions. Okay, so we lose faith in our institutions. And then the next step is pretty obvious. You start blaming the country as a whole. It all, it all starts with this, with this wrong-headed philosophy of victimhood and this idea that you're not empowered to, to control your own destiny. And, and I think that's the saddest thing. I, again, what did I say before? I said, don't listen to politicians who make false promises. The last thing you want is to be in a psychological state where you don't own your own destiny. I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemies. I agree. Yep. So I want to move on. 
We've got a few minutes before questions, so let's move on into one of the hotter topics of today, which is guns. Yeah. Hold Grant. on. <laughs> okay. So you never, you never speak about this, Grant. Okay, yeah. so uh, let's, let's tackle, there's so many arguments and we only have a few minutes, but <clears throat> let's tackle Beto's recent idea. And, and but let's not just slam it, though. Let's, Robert Francis. Let's talk about let's talk about just why, on a practical level, it doesn't make sense. Uh, why it won't do the good that he's saying it will do. Yeah. Well, well, can I just say really quick? Beto says that he's going to take our AR-15s. No, you won't. <laughs> you won't take them. Not. No, you won't. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. No, you won't. Um, one thing that Beto does, and Bernie Sanders, the, the, the Democrats as a whole have adopted this, and, and it kind of goes with what we were talking about earlier, this manipulation of words. And so if you really listen to everything that the Democrats as a whole say about gun violence, they use the word gun violence. Mm -hmm. They all say last year, 40,000 deaths from gun violence mm -hmm. last year, because what they want you to believe and what they want all of America to think is that 40,000 people were gunned down by mass shooters. That's what they want you to believe. But the actual number is 40,000 gun-related deaths, which the vast majority are from suicide. Right. And so again, I say it every so we single- we gotta get to the truth of the problem first. Yeah, right? the truth of yeah, it, exactly. Is what they leave but, out. But they want you to live in fear that you can't go to Walmart, that you can't go to your church, to, to your hospitals. They want you to believe that every single day some bad person with a military full semi-automatic, which is a made-up term. Fully semi. Yeah, fully, fully semi, excuse fully me, semi. fully semi-automatic <laughs> rifle is going in there and is, and is hunting people down. Whereas in one weekend in Chicago, we, we have gun violence and gun deaths as well. So it goes to the fact you can make having weapons illegal. The criminals aren't going to care. What we really have, and, and I say this, uh, some people disagree with me, I don't think we have a gun problem, I think we have a people problem, and I think we have a mental health problem that we need to address, um, but definitely telling law-abiding, gun-loving, uh, good Americans that we're gonna take your guns away from you, good luck with that. It's yeah. just not gonna work. So. Maybe, maybe what we'll do, I want to throw out a, a number. It's 2.66%. Okay, that's, that's the number. Uh, the first person to a microphone that can tell me the significance of that number as it relates to this topic, you get a signed T-shirt. Fancy. 2.66%. Oh, he's already there. Oh, wow, Look at him. Wow. He's like Look a ninja. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. 2.66% represents the amount of deaths from an AR-15 a year. That's right. Actually, it's just all rifles. Yeah. All right, come get your shirt. Wow. Well done, well done. My man is ready. Uh, Look at him. So, I mean, and, and that gets at the point. Like, let's put this problem into perspective. Let's have a, a discussion about the truth of the issue. And then, like, because here's the thing. Okay, let's say, let's say you made all ARs disappear just like that. You know, let, let's like even getting past the the huge problem with even confiscating them. Let's say they just disappeared right now. Would that actually eliminate 2.66 percent deaths? No, it actually it wouldn't would because you well you can easily substitute it. Is the point? Yeah, right. Work just as well. Right. Yeah. And blunt objects actually blunt objects are yeah. responsible for way more deaths. Yeah. But here's the other thing. There's also a common argument that it's, it doesn't make sense as a self-defense weapon. That's just that's totally untrue. 
you know, like when I go to the shooting range with my wife, and she's smaller, she, she's here, you know, she's, she's somewhere around here. She's amazing, though. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. So after, after she shoots better than I do, um, but there's a reason she can, she's much better with a rifle because there's three points of contact. It doesn't have the same kick to it. You can aim it easier. Um, you know, you scared, try to aim a pistol just even across your living room in a, mm -hmm. in a dark, scary environment. You're not gonna do that well. Not everybody has the same kind of training that we do, you know? And the AR is indeed a, a real self-defense weapon. Uh, with that, with that, let's move to questions. Hear from you all. Mr. Crenshaw. My question is, why are the Democrats continuing to try to push the gun control idea when it's not working in their own cities? That's true. That's true. I mean, it's just, it's just another argument piled upon another argument about why what they're saying doesn't really make sense. Um, you know, some of the cities with, with you know, the most amount of, I guess, registrations, uh, requirements, it's still a ton of gun violence. The, also, the other reality that people have to realize is that the vast majority of, of, of gun crimes are committed by a select group of people, very small population, generally incarcerated over and over again. It also occurs in a very tiny percentage of counties. So there's, there's very specific places we can look where violence is happening. It's usually gang-related or drug-related. And we could target that if we want to reduce overall deaths. I mean, you know, we, we have to be thinking about this problem systematically. Here, here's your first, the, the first thing you should ask when somebody proposes some kind of solution is, would it have stopped the last one? That's a really good question to ask. Like, would it have actually stopped the last one? The vast majority of the time, the answer is no. There's, other, there's two other points. Does it protect the, the, the rights of law-abiding citizens? And would it have stopped the last one? Meaning, would it actually do good, or does it just feel good? Well, they got rid of the gun emoji, right? Wasn't that supposed to there was, stop? Yeah. We don't have a gun emoji anymore? I didn't even know they got rid of that. Yeah, it's a squirt gun. I thought that was going to stop all the shootings. Yeah. Yeah, I thought. Virtue signaling. Do you have anything to add to that, or you want to move on to the next one? No, no, that was great. It's almost like you're a congressman or something. Hey. Um, real quick hey, question. Hey. <laughs> Do you think there is an us versus them ideology between Democrats and Republicans? And not just Democrats hating Republicans, but vice versa, Republicans hating Democrats? Um, I think, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. yes. I think, I think, I think it's different. I think it's in, there's an imbalance, though. So I think for the most part, we talk about how wrong they are. I think for the most part, they talk about how bad we are. Yeah. How morally bad we are, and like you know, in, in, you hear that in a lot of the arguments, and that's frustrating. Uh, I I I never attack the character of my opponents. I never say that they're bad people uh, or that they have bad intent. I say they have really bad ideas. Uh, we talk about this on our podcast a lot, actually. And, and our biggest thing, if I if I say it wrong, you guys can uh, let, let me know. But basically, we've lost the ability to agree to disagree in this country. And unfortunately, what happens is we live in this mindset now, and it works both ways. You know, um, if you don't believe exactly what I believe, how I believe it, then we have to be enemies and we can't be friends, et cetera. And that's not what America was supposed to be about in the first yeah. place. Yeah. How's it going, Congressman? I have a well. quick question for you. I think we all kind of generally agree here in Texas that we support our Second Amendment rights to bear arms and any or most of 
regulations on the Second Amendment would be an infringement, which would be unconstitutional. How would you appease our concerns with your new proposals on red flag laws, that it is not an infringement, and that it is not taking our way, away our rights to due process? Yeah, so it, a lot of people would, would think that I'm like, I actually have a proposal, and like I've sponsored legislation. If you read the comments online, you would think that. Of course I haven't. Um, the, what we're getting at is this. You, if you're a law-abiding citizen, you, you shall not be infringed on, period. But if you are infringing on somebody else's rights, we also agree as a society that your rights are no longer protected, right? Just as a basic foundation. Like, that's why you go to jail. If you infringe on somebody else's life, liberty, or property, you go to jail. We take away your liberty. Um, if you are threatening somebody else, that's no longer protected. The question is, how do you actually get to that point? If, if we all agree that good guys are good with guns, good gals, good with guns, bad guys, not so good with guns, right? We agree on that really basic premise. When you talk about properly constructed red flag laws, you're trying to get to that problem. Okay, now the big problem with red flag laws as they exist now in many states is they don't protect due process. So we have, that's unacceptable, right? And I've never supported it, and I've, and I've said that over and over again. It doesn't matter, some people are triggered. We, see, we get triggered too on the right. It's happened. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> we gotta stop doing that. But no, I would never, I would never uh, propose anything that didn't protect due process. And maybe we have to look at existing law. Um, for instance, you can, you can have somebody committed if they're, if they're showing real uh, threatening behavior. You know, that has due process implemented within it, but uh, you know, does the judge have the, the, the ability to, instead of incarcerating somebody, uh, simply make sure they don't have weapons, you know, but after they've gone through due process? Those are the kind of questions we have to be asking as conservatives, and that's, I think, the right way to balance it. What yeah. would be your statements on... Um... We're doing one, one guys, one, one question at a time so we can get to everybody. So if a situation like the Santa Fe shooting was done with a shotgun and a revolver, how do you prevent situations like that from happening? I didn't, quite, I didn't hear that. What was that? Uh, the Santa Fe shooting is shotgun and a revolver, not an AR. Uh, how, how do you deal with that? What I would like to say, and again, we are not in policy. We are not in D.C. And so this is just, this is just us and the things that we talk about is here's the, here's the real hard truth that either you're – you're pro-gun or you're anti-gun. Most people who are anti-gun, they're like, we've, we've got to stop the shootings, we've got to stop the murder, we've got to stop the killings. And the hard truth is, no matter what gets passed, no matter what kind of legislation is pushed down, you're never going to be able to stop everything. Mm. And so the point is to protect at all costs the legal, God-given right of every American to own and bear arms. That's yeah. it. That's it. And, and I would say the, whole, the, the, the fact that it was a revolver and a shotgun is, it, is exactly to my point about the 2.66%. Like you can just substitute it out. Mm -hmm. You can commit a lot of damage with even different guns than, than an AR. Uh, we got time for a couple more. Everybody's sitting down for some reason. That's it. They're dispersing. <laughs> yeah, we, we still have a couple minutes. Scatter. <laughs> we got questions over here, Congressman. Okay, back there. Uh, Last question. Th this question is addressed a little bit more specifically to uh, what Mr. Graham was mentioning earlier. Uh, you mentioned that guns are not the problem, but that people are. Do you have suggested processes on how we should go about fixing the people problem, as you called it? God. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. We need Jesus. <laughs> um.
mental health. It's yeah. also, I, I think, and also I think just to think of a sense of humility about what government can stop within a free society. You know, if we, listen, if, if you really want government to keep you perfectly safe, it can, it just won't let you do anything. Literally nothing. We'll keep you safe, we'll feed you, drug you up, like a brave new world. I mean, is that what people want though? Of course not. Because at a certain point you start to remove human freedoms and you start to remove, more importantly than that, human purpose. So first of all, it's a sense of humility about what we can accomplish and should accomplish. And then it's, it's remembering what government means, what law means, and what justice really is. So what is justice? Justice is the government preventing you from infringing on the life, liberty, or property of somebody else. That's why laws exist. It's like fundamentally that's why they exist. And we gotta remember that role of government. So we have to stop people from infringing on the rights of others. And we have to, we have to empower our law enforcement to make sure that they're understanding the signs that would, might lead to, to violence, um, while also not infringing on those who are law-abiding and not infringing on somebody else's life, liberty, and property. We got time for one last like shotgun question. Okay. All right. Uh, howdy. Okay. So, watch... <laughs> so to speak, geez. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> wow. I watch a ton of political shows and podcasts, and when the question comes up to how do we protect our rights and our freedoms, they say go vote for politicians who will do that. But most of us here are high schoolers, and we're not old enough to vote. So, what can we do to make sure that we still have those freedoms that we believe in in the future? Good question. You have parents, don't you? Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, 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 the biggest thing, the biggest thing I can say, and I had this conversation back there, is I believe that one of the situations that you have your your AOCs and people like that today is for the longest time conservatives uh, have believed this thing. Just keep your head down. Just go to work. Go to church. Mind your own business. Everything will eventually just equal out the way it is. And I believe that we're seeing in today, you guys being here, um, new congressmen like Dan Crenshaw coming out, using their influence for the right reasons. Stand up, have your, vo have your voice heard, even though your vote may not be counted yet, have your voice heard, let the world know where you stand and what you believe, because by God, when you do turn 18, you're rocking this thing. And can yeah, I just say right. this too? <laughs> okay, Pick I would say stay grounded too because I'm a social worker and I will tell you I went to Mississippi State Hill State but they pump you with so much stuff that I was not prepared for from my tiny town. I knew I was pretty grounded, which I'm thankful for. I would say stay very, very grounded because I have seen so many of my friends flip because it was just, oh, that does make sense. That is morally right. When it's really not, but they just never had a grounding or thought about it logically. So please stay grounded so you're able to attack it when you do get there because that's one of the biggest grounds you have going into college. Yeah, That is some great parting advice. Please give it up for Graham and Alyssa Allen. <laughs> Thank you all so much. All right, America. So now we are back in the studio, and we really hope that you guys enjoyed that live edition of the podcast. I thought it was a really cool event. I really love going in front of people, especially younger people, and having conversations. But as I sit here alone in the studio, Alyssa and Jake are not here. I wanted to give you kind of a recap of everything that I thought um, and some of the... Uh, 
criticism for doing the event in the first place. And so let's address the criticism first and foremost. A lot of people are upset about Dan Crenshaw and the red flag laws. We've been talking about this for a very, very, very long time. Um, I do not agree with red flag laws. Me and Dan Crenshaw have talked about this uh, in depth. We've talked about it in private. I've even gone on air and on other media outlets to say that I think red flag laws are a bad idea. Me and Dan realize that we differ slightly on this uh, issue. I don't necessarily think that Dan Crenshaw meant it the way that it came out. However, there are just certain roads that you cannot go down, in my opinion, and red flag laws are one. However, the comment that bothered me the most, and this is what I really want you guys to think about as you drive down the road, as you work out, whatever it is that you're doing, people said, why in the world are you associating with that trader? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? A month and a half ago, Dan Crenshaw was the chosen one. He was the next up. He was the savior of the Republican Party after Donald Trump. One tweet has changed a lot of people's minds about that. And I don't know. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. That's not for me to decide. But here's what I do know is that in our lifetimes, we're never going to agree with someone 100% of the time on anything, no matter how together or aligned you think that you are. In fact, Dan Crenshaw says this a lot. If you get a table with eight to 10 of your closest friends, you know these people better than anyone and they know you better than anybody else. But you try to solve some of the world's greatest problems like health care. And let's see how much you actually agree on how that's going to take place. The simple fact is none of us agree 100% on everything. And that's okay. We can agree to disagree on certain things. And honestly, we can truly hate an idea that someone has. But to simply sit there and say that you can no longer associate with people that you don't agree with then as a conservative, speaking to conservatives, you are doing the exact same thing that we accuse the left of doing because the left never talks to anyone who doesn't agree 100% with what they are saying. So that's why we took this event with Dan Crenshaw. Me and Dan Crenshaw are friends. We will continue to be friends long after he becomes president or decides to not do it anymore. I don't know. Me and Dan are friends, and it's, that's, that won't change. And I think that we could use a little bit more of that in our society and especially within our own party. Um, so that's dealing with the criticism. Going back to what I felt for this event, I really loved it because the news would have you believe that the young Americans are in this realm of hating America or not loving America or not being appreciative for America. But what I witnessed on Sunday was a large, large, almost 2,000 high school to college um, young Americans, I always want to call them kids, but they're not kids, um, take their Saturday and go to an event and listen about politics and conservative values. And they were excited about it. They were invested. They were They were in tune with what was going on. They were Truly, they truly cared about what the future holds and what it means for them and what they can do. We even had a young man, you heard him, ask what can he do when he can't even vote yet to have his voice heard. Those are really powerful questions. And they're so much smarter than I was when I was a kid. I was pretty dumb. I'm not the smartest guy now, but uh, I think it shows that Gen Z has the opportunity to be the most conservative generation ever. 
Um, and I, for one, am very excited about the future. Not not to mention the eight the next eighteen months with the presidential election for twenty twenty. But this new generation actually gives me a lot more hope than the current generation. And I think that that is exactly the way that it's supposed to be. That's all we have for this episode of the Dear America podcast. If you liked hearing the live editions, let us know. This was Dan Crenshaw's event, but what we want to do is we want to actually take Dear America on the road. Have the table set up, have extra microphones, set up events, and let you guys be a part of the show. Bring people on, bring people to come sit down and ask questions, have guests, and also have you come on the show as well. If you would like that, be sure to leave us a review in the app of whatever you're listening to this podcast on because we want to give you the show that you want. Uh, Jake and Alyssa are not here, so today I sign off with just myself. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Dear America podcast. I am Graham Allen, and we'll see you all again next time. 